Oh, well, Hydra, this is the fringe. Tweaks will have to be made before the next one. <laughs> you set up like Errol Morris, you know, a system of mirrors that. That sounds complex and also is a reference that I don't get. <laughs> so, Ethan, what did you have for breakfast? I guess I had half of a bagel smeared with some sort of cream cheese that I didn't understand. You know, it was um, was it like labeled in Swedish or something? No, it was just it was just handed to me. You know, um, it had red and green things in it, which I assume were vegetables, but mm. you know, could have been a lot of things. Sprinkles. Whenever I get like green things in something that like. I'm expecting it to be like creamy. I'm like, oh my gosh, did you put like peppers in here or something? Is this going to be like a weird spicy version sure. of cream cheese? And it's either peppers or mold, right? So sure. count your blessings. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so Ethan, I've got you over for two reasons. Mm-hmm. One, podcast. Podcast. To talk about uh, how we use, how we can use technology for political activism and organizing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Number two, to force you to sit down so that we can like <laughs> get all of the different accounts and stuff yes. figured out for St. Paul Bicycle Coalition. Yeah. Um, also, your last name is Ostin or Austin? Ostin. Ostin. Ethan Ostin. Cool. Um, why don't you introduce yourself for the folks at home? Um, okay, so government is in general using older forms of communication um and so what like what strategies has the bicycle coalition been using to disseminate that information further like one of the one of the things that occurred to me when i started to get more into like learning about what bike projects are like on the radar Mm -hmm. uh i was like oh yeah the the um downtown loop Whatever, what is that one called again? The Capital City Bikeway. Capital City Bikeway, yeah. Like, so much emphasis was being put on that. And I was like, I never go downtown. Like, I was like, who does this serve? But I guess, yeah, of course there are, the a lot public of, hearings. there are a lot of people who go downtown. Yeah. For, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the challenge in St. Paul is that it's it can be hard to get to uh, a different part of town without going through downtown. Mm-hmm. The West Side is a great example of this. That's very true. Um, but even... Even going from Frogtown to the east side. Um, You've got like three options and two of them are going through downtown. Exactly. Or skirting around it. Yeah. 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 So um, that could be a, an interesting aspect of this all. Yeah. It's, yeah, the, the physical geography of an area. As much as I wish that like we didn't have to deal with that when <laughs> <laughs> building transportation infrastructure, right. it's kind of important. Yeah, I mean. It's it might be part of the city or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the West Side, it, I made way, my way up to the top of the Smith uh, Avenue Bridge mm-hmm. recently um, by accident. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to use the the trails down by the river, but they were all flooded, and so I had to sure climb up a hill to go down a hill. And uh, did you have to climb up Ohio? Yep. Oh mm-hmm. boy. Yep. That's a fun one. Yeah, <laughs> and it was part of like. Uh, you know, like a 40-kilometer ride from the east side of St. Paul down to the REI in Bloomington. Mm. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just kind of the tip of the iceberg. Um, but, yeah, no, like downtown St. Paul looks beautiful from up there. It really it's, does. Yeah. <laughs> Though I think the best view is from Mounds Park. That's I like that one too, yeah. Or from the Kellogg Bridge even, just straight mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, Lower Town's got some really cool buildings that kind of frame the whole skyline. Yeah, and it steps up in a lovely way. Yeah, yeah. I come in from the north, um, and it's just... it. it for some reason, it's not as uh, striking from the north. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, unless you're... Yeah, no, even even Summit Avenue, that's that's from the west. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I have noticed coming from the north occasionally that, like, I see the, the spire on St. Agnes Church before I see any of, like, the, the skyscrapers downtown. Sure. Which is really strange because, like, I don't think of St. Agnes as being that tall. Sure. It's the tallest thing in Frogtown, but that's not saying a lot. It's locally prominent. Yes. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it, whenever coming home on like a road trip or whatever, like as soon as we saw First National Bank, like that's when you know you're home. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, like I see St. Agnes Church, I know I'm home. Right. That yeah. Timex uh, green glow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Okay. So so back to the bike coalition. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I also I I noticed while I was like looking around on the website, I was like, oh yeah, it talks about like, uh, the calendar and everything, and like <laughs> use that to stay up to date on stuff. And I was like, there's nothing on this calendar. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. Well, as a Google Calendar user, I was very excited to for that to be a possibility. Right. <laughs> yeah. I I uh, I kept that Google Calendar updated for a few months anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the interesting thing is that events aren't actually that frequent. You know, you mm-hmm. have you'll have a once a month meeting mm-hmm. for the coalition. Um, there are a couple months a year where you frequently have city meetings, um, but those are pretty heavily clustered in um, late summer, early fall. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you'll have rides. Um, when I was particularly energetic, we had a ride every month. Um, when I was less energetic, we didn't. Um, but the actual density of events. Uh, was um, low enough that it just never occurred to me to put them on the calendar. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm thinking I'm thinking that it shouldn't be difficult to have like an if this then that recipe that just like pulls any events created on the Facebook page and puts them into the Google Calendar. Because I have a similar thing for my personal Facebook account to my personal Google Calendar. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's actually a. a great idea that we should or that you now yeah (laughs) yeah one thing that um i noticed that you did that was very unique was um during one of the community rides i think it was like the the tour of um future east side Mm -hmm. bike infrastructure improvements um you used google maps's uh i think at, at the time it was very new but like the feature where you can uh temporarily share your location oh yeah uh and and you were sharing of course not from your personal account but from the saint paul bike coalition gmail account correct and i was like this is delightful i love it (laughs) it was also very useful for me because i was not able to get to the beginning of the ride but i came and caught up with you guys right yeah that was uh something i think we did once (laughs) but i'm glad it was useful that one time um yeah that depended on my phone having enough battery to last. And sure. My phone was pretty old at the time. Mm. Um, but That's... it's that sort of technology that um, it requires a lot of follow-through to keep it up. Sure. Right? Yeah. And and really what we want is is stuff that, you know, you set it up once and then it maintains itself. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, the gold standard. Yeah. Um, or at least, you know, 
set up a checklist so that at the beginning of a ride you right. know which ones to start off. But, oh yeah, <laughs> but we we never were that um, uh, systematic. Yeah, whenever whenever I'm like gonna live stream myself like editing or something like that, I'm always like, okay, so I gotta copy the link from the YouTube over <laughs> to the Patreon, and then and then the Patreon to the Twitter and the and the Facebook and the you know, right. <laughs> it's yeah checklists are good things that's why nasa uses them right so. <laughs> that's when you know you have a problem yeah yeah or when houston anyway <laughs> knows you have a problem um sometimes this does still happen not so much with the like angry critical mass ethos but um memorial rides sure uh, tend to have uh, a lot of the same effects um i remember um early 20 18 um uh person died uh biking uh at west 7th and grand in saint mm-hmm. paul um his name was jose uh and we a couple weeks later had a memorial ride uh, his employer wanted to be part of it all these things wanted to be part of it um just down the hill and back up the hill going back down the hill no problems no one complained going back up the hill while well, you're on a bike you're a little bit slower right um instead of going 15 miles an hour you're going five sure and the people behind you going five in their cars are not super happy about going five yeah right so we got a lot of um at the top of the hill uh i was the person who stayed behind to make sure everyone got up right and so that we can um know that the ride had finished going up the hill Mm -hmm. and i had a number of people come up to me yelling at me um saying how dare you do this you know whether or not it's a memorial or you know whether someone died or not um eventually i just started telling him well we did talk to the police and they would grumble and drive off but um it was an interesting mix because it felt really good for the people who were riding to have that memorial and to have that um collective experience Mm -hmm. um but i don't know what it did to the people who were behind us right it seems incredible that people what you know even after being told like this is a memorial ride well later that year we had another memorial ride uh alan died on summit and snelling mm-hmm. um we as a group of probably 200 people that was a big one it was a very yeah. big ride um rode from about grand and dale um all the way down summit to the mississippi river about four miles probably it's an enormous group with that size group, if you get broken up at a light, mm-hmm. um, the whole thing falls apart. So you really have to just keep the group going through the light. Um, we have the mayor on the ride. We have city council mm-hmm. members, county commissioners, etc. cetera. Um, about the second light that this enormous group is going through, um, people start really aggressively honking at us, you know, honking, screaming, et cetera. And the mayor doubled back starts talking to these people explaining what it is and they keep honking mm-hmm. uh, i thought that was a really uh striking thing to be aggressively honking at the mayor yeah um, but the the thing that um caught my attention during that ride was uh when i happened to be near mayor carter um when like one of the police officers who was with us mm-hmm. was like oh they're going all the way, you know, into Minneapolis. We can't follow you guys that far. <laughs> and he and he was like, "Oh, hang on, I'll just call up Minneapolis." And I was like, "What does that mean? <laughs> that, what a sentence!" <laughs> right. 
Yeah, the the city corporate of Minneapolis. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Embodied in, in someone, I suppose. Yeah, I was like, does that mean the mayor? Does that mean the police force? Like, who, right. like, who is Minneapolis? <laughs> I am Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I... The fact that my phone has call screening now, like, it's, uh... Right. I don't I don't answer the phone anymore. <laughs> no, I I can't think of the last time I a- answered a number I didn't recognize. Yeah. Yeah. Um and even numbers I did recognize sometimes. But uh you know, that's a that's its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> I have jokingly put some of my friends through the call screen before like actually answering. <laughs> well, and They didn't appreciate the joke. I don't I, I don't know what the technology is like at the city, but at the county, we still use uh, telephones from the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I mean, it tells you what number's calling. Oh, that's good. So that's something. That's nice. That's better than my parents' phone at home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not a rotary phone, which is an upgrade, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the county still uses pneumatic tubes, so. I can't. Are you being facetious? I don't know. The, yeah, the, uh, one of our buildings has. Huh. A pneumatic tube system. That's kind of cool, actually. It That's... is kind of cool. <laughs> um, but it's also pneumatic tubes. Right. So, you know. Um, okay, Any anything else that you can think of that would be relevant to... <laughs> Another one that we did uh, that was fairly effective uh, were um, GoPro videos of ah. recent infrastructure projects or okay. of pending infrastructure projects. Yeah. So you'd... Um, edit down a gopro video of i remember the one that was like the yeah. gateway state trail going into jackson street exactly into the capital yeah way. yeah uh and you know people watched that video and thought you know i didn't realize that this was open mm-hmm. right um and you see one of those videos it not only opens up that uh project for you or that street or whatever but it also um it looks fun right mm-hmm. yeah, if you're someone who follows a bike coalition you probably like biking um so it makes maybe makes you think like i want to get on my bike and uh if you get on your bike um maybe you're then more likely to do other things for us you know so mm-hmm. on um okay so so even stuff that is not directly the coalition itself you know but mm-hmm. like just community strengthening stuff yeah. so like the bike tag community building is yeah. huge yeah um the saint paul bicycle photo tag uh uh emerged after i was i left as chair but i think that that is a really interesting opportunity to leverage a uh parallel but connected community of people mm-hmm. um in a way that we don't have i think community building in general is a really um critical part of this and it's something that I know organizations like um, Our Streets Minneapolis, the former Minneapolis Bicycle Coalition, really mm-hmm. um, really works hard on. Which is an, a rare enough name. I mean, it's not rare, but it's rare mm-hmm. enough that Ethan from the Bicycle Coalition, it's right. It's, uh, it's a confusion that is worth um, taking advantage of sometimes. That reminds me of uh, when you and I first met and you were like, hi, I'm Ethan. And I was like, oh, I'm Ian. And you misheard and you thought that my name was Ethan as well. <laughs> yeah. It's not a common thing, but it does happen yeah. once or twice. I mean, yeah, it happens to me often enough if somebody like can sort of remember my name, but not quite. A lot of times they'll default to like, was your name Ethan? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
Ian. Yeah. I've, I have people who default to Ian, so huh. there's no winning. Okay. Nice to know it goes both ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. So I think we can probably stop the recording. Great. Unless you had anything else. I think. Sweet. That's all the technology I used. We want to get a nice like volume check. Um, you could tell me what you had for breakfast this morning. I actually have not eaten yet today. It is four o'clock in the afternoon, my mm-hmm. dude. I'm fasting. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not for religious reasons, just uh, just something I do. Okay. So wow, that sounds really echoey when I. Hmm. Maybe if I don't. Um. So how like how long do you fast for? Uh, about 16 hours a day sometimes. Okay. So I'll eat during an eight-hour window. Okay. And then, so so it's not like, yeah, it's, it's not, not like, like days multiple and days. days. Right. It's just 16 hours. I'll go through a whole day without eating and then eat within an eight-hour window. Sure. Okay. Interesting. Um, so, shall we talk about Wedge Live? We shall. Um, I am sure that I'm going to use the joke... Uh, that my next guest is John Edwards, but not that one. Not that John. <laughs> so, would you like to introduce yourself, like, kind of what you would like to be known as for the purposes of this podcast uh, episode? I run a. Yeah, I love I loved it when you like tweeted about coming over here for this interview, and you were like a Saint Paul man, and I was like, that's me, capital A, capital S, capital P, a Saint mm. Paul man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how you would be described in a news story in... where where you do something outrageous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Florida man. Exactly. Yeah, we we bought some furniture from a guy who's like moving to Florida, and I was like, oh, I hope he's not the next Florida man. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of branding, like when I I think. I found out about Wedge Live when my friend Brandon uh, just like shared one of the videos, probably one of the St. Paul bike uh, oh, lane yeah. videos, because like because that's he knows that that's where I come from. Uh, and was it the, was it the guy, what's that guy's name? It's like he's a landlord. Oh yeah, the Cleveland Avenue one. He was upset about sex shops. Yeah, like a bike lane uh-huh. would bring sex shops to the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and I remember seeing like one of the comments on the video was like, "Man, I can't wait to ride my bike to the sex shop." Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, but yeah, like when I when I first saw the YouTube channel and I was like, "Wedge Live, what is Wedge?" Like I had never it's even heard of the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got seventy in Minneapolis, right? We don't have. It, you've got like I don't know what fifteen district councils in Minneapolis. We have seventy separate G's nonprofit neighborhood organizations mm-hmm. which is an entirely you could do a whole episode podcast episode on that yeah <laughs> yeah um so so being that this is like so like focused on on like i feel like wedge live really kind of specializes in in covering stuff that like nobody would expect to be in the limelight yeah. right yeah um so like and and so it's intentionally very niche um and and that's well, what I don't know if I would say intentional. Okay. <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of fell into that. Okay. <laughs> continue with your question. Um so like yeah, like do you think that that having like has has information technology kind of changed the possibilities around running something that's so like normally small scale, right? Um cuz like the only other 
example of something that's as local as I can, as as the Wedge Live is is the East Side Review, mm-hmm. which is like it is a very traditional newspaper. Um, what's, just, what's the geographic area? It's it's everything in St. Paul, all the neighborhoods in St. Paul, east of uh, 35E. Okay. Um, and it's like it's distributed for free. Um, I assume that they have advertisements in it. You know, I but I don't really know what they're like. Are they know. online? They are. Their website sucks. I looked okay. at it today. And it's like, because they're run by um, Lily News, which mainly covers like suburbs of St. Paul. Mm-hmm. But then they also have the Eastside Review. And on their website, I can't even, I can't make heads or tails of like, which of these articles originally came from like, you know, covering North St. Paul versus which ones came from like the Eastside Review itself, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like, like that's the only other example of something that I've seen like this. Um, and it, it seems like it would be a very different beast, right? Because, like, they, like, my my younger siblings have worked for the Eastside Review distributing the papers, right? Um, obviously, that's not something that you have to pay for. Right. Being that you, yeah. We're very low overhead with Edge Live. <laughs> it's just tweets. And it's kind of low tech. It's... Like when you're talking about the neighborhood so neighborhood meeting type stuff, it's mm. all it's all just tweets. Sure, that's free. That's not very high tech. I'm not live streaming neighborhood meetings or anything. Right, right. So, <laughs> and when it comes to like the city council meetings, the zoning and planning meetings, planning commission stuff, that's all on video, mm-hmm. streamed by the the city. Yeah, where do they put those? So they. So Minneapolis puts them on YouTube. Saint okay. Paul, Saint Paul doesn't. Okay. Edina puts them on YouTube. Uh, and Edina, Edina and Minneapolis also have like their own website where they post the videos. But I find okay. it, I find it useful when they put them on YouTube. When the city has a separate YouTube channel where, mm-hmm. they, where they post these things. Okay. Yeah. Um. Is it, how does that make it easier for you? Uh. Well, it's easier. It it's easier. Own. I'm not gonna get very high tech here, but it's easy. <laughs> it's easier to like download the videos off of YouTube for me. Okay. Yeah. Because when it's on a, like uh, those proprietary like public meeting what like granicus i think it's called mm-hmm. that might be what some of them use okay like, you have to like inspect you have to right click inspect element and then find where the mp4 is okay whereas if it's on youtube you could just like go to any website that lets you sure download a youtube video it's yeah th- those technically illegal but everybody uses them right like... and like don't download a virus off this website <laughs> yeah kind of thing. yeah <laughs> um yeah okay that's yeah, because that's one of my main complaints about like you know entities that post videos only to YouTube is like, well, now I can't just take it and do whatever I want. But you with can. It, but I, you can. Yeah, by violating YouTube's <laughs> terms of service. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's a whole different uh, topic. Is is like open distribution. <laughs> um, so I know. Yeah, you have. The Twitter account, you've got the YouTube channel, you have the website where you have blog articles, mm-hmm. um, and you have... We've like, got Instagram. Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cats only. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are we yeah. going to talk about the cat tour? You can talk about the cat tour. I just <laughs> saw something about that today. That was the, my first introduction to it. Uh, June 27th. I don't know if this episode is going to air in time for this to be a valid promo. but I June, sure hope it will. <laughs> June 27th, we're having a cat tour at Mueller Park is where we start. 6.30. We're going to walk around the neighborhood and look at cats in a, mostly apartment building windows. 
Okay. <laughs> That's what it is. We've done it for three years. You show up, uh, get a button. We've got commemorative buttons that you can wear. It's fun. Nice. Nice. Um, but you can find cats on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Um, that is probably the best place for cats, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, like, in order to support your work here, of course, you have, I noticed that you have a merch shop. And then, we do. Uh, and then you also have a Patreon. Yep. Um, it's, I don't know for sure, but it seems like the YouTube channel is too small scale to be monetized. You are correct. Okay. <laughs> like even before they, I think they raised it to like a thousand subscribers yeah. you gotta have before you can make any money on oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't making any money on it before, sure. so it didn't really affect me, but I had gotten up to like, I don't know, 70 or $80, like almost mm-hmm. hitting that $100 payout. And yeah, then they, exactly. And then they lift the then they <laughs> subscriber just... threshold. <laughs> Take so the rug out from under you. I'll never see that eighty dollars I made on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> um. So let's see. We covered that. And you, these meetings are so painful and long. Like you have to make it fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of how Wedge Live started. Like tweeting the meetings. I didn't expect anyone to read the tweets. But if I could make it fun for me and like right, a dozen right. a dozen people who might be reading who are crazy enough to think that this isn't like pointless and useless information, then it made the meetings more bearable. Yeah. Like it's it's better than getting frustrated and mad just with yourself alone in that room, just steaming at the crazy thing somebody just said about renters or or whatever it was. Yeah. Um um, so yeah, I guess you you said that you haven't done one of the, like the satirical videos in a while. Um, so like how like so it seems like the balance has shifted more towards the the shorter informative ones. Um, uh, well, I'll do like really short videos uh-huh. that don't require me watching like a three hour meeting and clipping like ten to fifteen seconds from people because those take forever. Yeah. to do, but. Like if one person says something funny and it makes it into a 30 second or minute long video, those are easier to do. Mm-hmm. I've done a bunch of those recently. Um, yeah. And as far as the balance between informative and funny, like, I mean, part of it is making people laugh, like I said, and like, I'm also really interested in these topics mm-hmm. and I'm not an expert. I'm not some urban planning major i don't know anything about this stuff really other than what i've learned going to the meeting so maybe i'm good at helping people understand these things as somebody who comes to it Mm. who has come to it not knowing anything sure like i'm not talking in jargon yeah yeah you you yeah you know what you need in order to clarify this so hopefully other people also need that same type of explanation yeah um I had a thought and then it went away. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is why I write things down. Um, yeah, so I guess um, one of the things one of my other uh, guests was was the previous co-host of or co-chair of the St. Paul Bicycle Coalition, um, and he was talking about how like a lot of what the coalition's role is is not just informing people but also like doing community building right mm-hmm. um and it it seems like that's like really where wedge lives strength lies is is in like like providing this this like this place this thing for for people like-minded people to kind of you know mm-hmm. rally around right um yeah. is is that like 
Like how, like, can you identify any ways that you're fostering that kind of thing? Yeah. But at the same time, like, like I said before, it was not intentional really. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just kind of everything that Wedge Live has become and done is kind of just kind of happened organically. I didn't Mm -hmm. set out to do any of this. Um, But yeah, like the cat tours, just doing dumb things with some degree of sincerity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, like the cat tour is a, uh, like it's it sounds really stupid, but I think people enjoy it. I enjoy it. Um, yeah, and just I don't know, kind of. I think it taps into like the live tweets and the videos, tapping into people's frustration. Mm-hmm. Like. I'm not the only one sitting here in meetings being frustrated at the things people are saying. So I think, and it, and Wedge Life has kind of become a clearinghouse for crazy things that happen in Minneapolis. A lot of people yeah. send me, like I said, send me tips and stories and point things out that they think should be on Wedge Live, I guess, because it is that niche kind of unique place for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question about community building or not. I think. What, I think what it other does. things are you thinking of? Maybe. Um. I mean, for the for the um, bicycle coalition, we do things like um, you know having social rides, um, you know, bike like supporting things like bike to work day, um, and you know, not so like that as opposed to the like monthly meetings where we right like like talk about the actual like oh here's a project that's coming up in st paul and yeah what can we do to support that and stuff like nobody that. wants to go to those exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i actually like much like how you kind of stumbled into into discovering the the hunger for this content you know accidentally uh yeah i stumbled onto the the bicycle coalition accidentally i just happened to be like going to the rondo community library for something completely separate and found all these bikes at the you know locked up and Mm -hmm. i was like what's going on here and like somebody else had had uh showed up late i think it was tom actually i think it was tom baskin uh is it baskin or bastion Bastion, i don't know i've never heard of jane jane prince says bastion okay interesting i think that's how i've heard other people say it have you seen the jane prince tom bastion video no she says tom bastion okay huh um but uh yeah he he showed up late and um and he like was like oh we're over here in this meeting room and I'm like I'm not with you who are you <laughs> <laughs> But you rode your bike there Exactly that's, okay. that's why he thought I was there for that okay. <laughs> And so then like after I was finished with my uh the the training thing that I was going to I saw that they were all still in the meeting room and I was like okay I guess I'll go over there and see who that is <laughs> And now you're the co-chair I'm is that the chair. Yeah I'm one of the co-chairs All right okay. <laughs> Mostly because nobody else wanted to step up. Because <laughs> you like the stuff that's not fun. I that's do. Why. Yeah, exactly. Right. exactly. Every group needs people who are into doing the not fun stuff. But if you want to be a big group, you got to do the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Got to have that nice balance. Right. Mm-hmm. It comes all it all comes back to that balance. <clears throat> you got the workers and the people who have fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so like you're you're kind of a one man show, right? Well, I don't want to like discount. The people who, you know, chip in a little bit, but like, yeah, I write all the stories, edit all the videos. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So you have to be the not fun and the fun guy. Well, I I make everything I do fun. Okay. I think. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wants to read about, yeah, 
you got to make everything fun, I think. And I think if you're not having fun with it, you won't then, you wouldn't do it. Then, no. Well, and also other people would like pick up on that, you know. Maybe. It's like I still read the Star Tribune and I imagine all those articles are written by people who are not having fun. That's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> even the even the great articles. Uh So, yeah, but yeah. I would not continue with this if I didn't enjoy it cuz you know, for a long time I didn't even have the Patreon and I was mm-hmm. still putting a ton of time into it. Yeah. So, and that wouldn't happen if I wasn't having fun. I don't care about these issues enough to spend this much time with them and not have fun. That's it's a good philosophy. It's, <laughs> that's probably a healthy way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Not that it's healthy to spend this much time around these issues. No, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Even if you're having lots of fun. Um, So I think that's everything that I had in mind to cover. Do you have anything else that you... Well, we talked about the cat tour. We did talk about the cat tour. Mm. I feel like after we're done recording here, I should take you on a cat tour of my house because there are three of them. Ooh, three cats. Yeah. I usually focus on the cats from outside. Mm. So you're going to have to set them up in a window. <laughs> <laughs> do your cats peer out the window? They do, yeah. Especially when they know that like one of us has just gone outside and they're like, okay. is he going to leave the door open accidentally? Okay, so when I, I when I see a cat in a window, does that mean they're looking for a person, or are the people inside and the cats don't care about the people who are inside and they're looking at strange people? I never know what they're thinking. It really depends on the cat, I think. Okay, <laughs> so we're technology focused here on this podcast, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. So are there any technology issues we need to talk? about? I can't say that I'm a tech. I mean, I use the internet. Yeah, and that's yeah, that's that's mostly what I'm focusing on, especially in this episode, is like how like information technology the internet etc like what possibilities does that give us what challenges does that give us when it comes to like political organizing and activism well i think it's been powerful in the case of wedge life um what else do i have to say about that because i mean like as as a one person operation I, this would not be possible if the internet didn't exist right you know? yeah the- there's so many things you can do for free where your only investment is just your time mm-hmm. going to the meetings, like taking the time to edit a video. It barely costs anything like 10, 10 bucks for a website and maybe you pay extra for hosting and don't do a blog spot. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, there's the issue of like the death of local news, creating a vacuum for somebody like me to step into and, kind of provide that yeah yeah because it seems like oddly enough a a a local like publication with a very specific like special interest kind of focus right uh that those seem to be more successful than like general interest mm-hmm, but hyper local so you're saying general interest but also yeah. hyper local yeah because like like it's really hard i think for like you know, the Eastside Review is the only, like, really local but general interest newspaper that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, like, you know, I can think of several, like, Streets.mn, Wedge Live. You know, there's a few different, like, like publications that I can think of that focus on local stuff, but, like, focus on a really specific aspect of local stuff. Yeah, it's really hard to be everything, and you can't be yeah. good at everything. At least I you can't. Can, you can't like build a community around that. Like, yeah. The only, the only, because <laughs> the only thing that's tying that together is like, 
we're all in the same area. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's true. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make for an exciting podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm learning stuff as I'm going and mm-hmm. processing it out loud. So, yeah. Um, now, yeah, that that kind of intersection of like location and interest when you take away the location you can still probably have very successful like you know special interest like publications yeah but then everyone's talking about it like there's a million like uh so these these conversations are happening all across the country like mm-hmm. seattle uh california um yeah I, I do find it interesting how often i see like people here in the twin cities like you know transportation focused people in the twin cities uh sharing articles that are written about a very specific thing from a different you know like like a seattle you connect to it exactly to it people are the same all over they they say the same things in meetings in minneapolis as they do in seattle as Mm -hmm. they do in san francisco maybe san francisco is a little wilder um yeah i feel like we're all kind of learning from san francisco's mistakes yeah. regarding uh how to run a dense urban area <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so yeah we're talking about it's so easy to relate to to these conversations that are happening in other places see a meeting live tweeted in seattle and it's the same stuff and it's it's it helps you formulate an argument against it you can see what works in other cities like other cities are looking at minneapolis and what's happening with more neighbors uh neighbors mm-hmm. from more neighbors and i think it's a good lesson for people to follow what we've done yeah and now we've got uh the saint paul side of neighbors for more neighbors as well we do yeah saint paul's comprehensive plan not quite as bold <laughs> yeah nobody showed up to testify against your comprehensive plan interesting yeah wow you must be doing something right if nobody literally no one hates it <laughs> <laughs> or or that means that we're not doing enough right, right things. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, we're, maybe we're not stepping up to the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's that about omelets and eggs? Omelets and eggs. Yeah. If you got to want to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. Yeah, and if you want to address the climate crisis, maybe you got to make a few people mad. Mhm. Yeah. about parking yeah, yeah. <laughs> and density in tall buildings. I was just thinking about the people with, you know, four people and four trucks and whatever in their house. And mm-hmm. Are you are you referencing a Wedge Live video? I, I am referencing, yeah. I was I was literally watching like the, the upper Afton one this afternoon during during uh, my lunch break and one of my students came up and he was like, what are you watching? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> something that I find very funny and I don't know if you're uh, going to care at all. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh. But he thought he he enjoyed it, especially when I like scrubbed back to the part with like the ATV driving mm-hmm. around and doing oh, yeah, donuts that was a good and one. crashing. Yeah, there was a sound effect in there, wasn't? Yeah, there? it was a honk. Yeah, because she said that. Oh yeah, she when had it a crashed, horn. it was a long honk, uh-huh. like what happens when a car crashes and just long honk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> I feel like that's something that only happens in like Hollywood crashes, though. You know. Oh no! I've been woken they? up by a crash on Lindell where the huh. the car horn just forever honk. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I guess I'm fortunate that I have not witnessed very many car crashes. You got to move to the wedge and live on Lindale Avenue South. <laughs> Can I plug Lindale Avenue South and Marion Green? If you're listening, we need to do something about 
Lindale Avenue South. Okay. Let's go to three lanes. Let's put some stoplights at 25th and 27th Street. Is that like... Oh, no, wait, that's not in Ramsey County. <laughs> it's Hennepin County. Because I was just thinking about the fact that, like, Ramsey County uh, is is moving towards, like, all of the county roads are going to be three-lane. That would be good. Instead of four-lane. Really? Yeah. How are you going to do that? Uh, I don't know, but that's, like, that's that's what they have pledged to to move mm. towards. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, looking looking forward to, like, Dale Street right over here is, uh, is one of those. Um, I think Larpenter... Is one that's been getting a lot of attention lately mm-hmm. um, for their for a road diet. Um, yeah. So while while the city of St. Paul might not be moving as fast, I feel like the the county of Ramsey County is like really? doing a pretty good job right now of of uh, okay, thinking well, thinking these things through. We have some new county commissioners. I'm hopeful. Yep. Let's make something happen. Yeah. Yeah. The um, what was her name? Who who um, was in the one video uh, talking about? Um, Traffic going fast. Uh, uh, Redman, speed, speed Janice Redman. Yeah, yeah, she was replaced with uh, by Trista, Trista Modest yeah. Castillo. Yeah, yeah. Real excited about what she's doing. <laughs> we have uh, Angela Conley, Irene Fernando, new county commissioners in Hennepin County. Okay. Mm-hmm. I also learned recently that like Ramsey County apparently is the only county in the state that is self-governed self-governed yeah as opposed to like um like the the counties in general are just like an administrative arm of the state government right Hmm. so like the state government gives them a budget and then like the county commissioners kind of decide all right exactly how to spend that budget within the constraints of like what they're given um and like because of a quirk of some piece of legislature in like the 1980s or whatever where um, you know, a state senator introduced like, and in addition to all this other stuff in this bill, Ramsey County will be self-governed, like, mm. and it happened. Uh, and so like, apparently, it's possible for us to like, you know, have referendums, like countywide referendums that everybody in the in the county gets to vote on. Yeah. To change the like, I don't know what you would call it, like the 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 commit. No, not the commission. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but like, you know, county board. The, no, like, 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 not the constitution, but that kind of thing, right? Like the, mm-hmm. the kind of governing d- document of the like charter? the, the charter. That's probably what I'm looking for. Okay. Yeah, um, fascinating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let me look at your list of topics here. I also can make them much larger on this screen. So I think I think we touched on all these. Didn't talk about the cat tour nearly enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you have focus focus <laughs> on the cat tour oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you gotta come in and promote the cat tour if you're gonna be on a how many listeners do you have are we reaching a huge audience here? not not a huge audience probably like 70 to 100 per episode okay that's, yeah. that's not bad we'll see <laughs> we'll see what the numbers are like since i haven't come out with an episode of this particular podcast for a couple months you're gonna get the wedge live bump oh nice <laughs> <laughs> I can't guarantee there'll be a bump. Well, I mean, that's that was kind of the one of the goals here of like you know talking about a lot of local stuff is like okay, I can invite like Wedge Live, Bicycle Coalition, you know, hopefully you know like get a few people who actually like you know are are you know big like parts of the community. Mm-hmm. There we go, reaching out. 
um and and hopefully in a way that isn't like you know specifically like obviously i am very like within the wheelhouse of like you know yes i'm very for more bike lanes i'm you know um urbanism but like you know the the focus of the episode isn't like this is a viewpoint that that you know i'm right putting forth in the episode itself mm-hmm. but just because of like who i'm aware of it's definitely going to come through <laughs> we we see your bias yeah uh, exactly <laughs> I've, been, I've been thinking of starting a podcast a wedge live podcast there what you do go. you think of that well i think that that idea has been floated around before <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, we didn't even talk about carol becker do, do coming, want, at, coming after wanna? my trademark yeah let's talk about that <laughs> Very, very obsessed with Wedge Live. <laughs> My number one fan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be listening to this podcast. Hello, Carol. And actually, like, before you came over here today, uh, and somebody on Twitter had replied to your tweet that you were coming over for an interview on a podcast, right. and they were how like, do we know you're not Carol? Exactly, and I was luring me to your home in St. Paul. My my first <laughs> instinct was to say, "Do you think that Carol Becker even knows what a podcast is?" And then I was like, "Wait, no, that was the entire issue mm-hmm. was like a podcast." Yeah, her justification for trademarking Wedge Live, which was obviously a lie, was she was going to start a podcast, a live podcast, which. As someone who does a podcast, you might realize that podcasts aren't aren't broadcast live. No. About wedge issues. So you'd call it wedge live. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Logically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so the the conclusion of that whole thing was So we so I sued her and we went into mediation, which is required when you sue someone and she let me make sure I characterize this correctly because a lot of it is confidential. Mm-hmm. But she basically agreed that I do own Wedge Live and, you know, would go away and not do this again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, that's very that's very interesting because my, my understanding of trademark is that, like, since you had not actually filed for the trademark for Wedge Live, that, like, you were in a precarious position, uh... But what you're saying is that, like, since, so, since, since there was prior art, yeah. So you, know, your, your you can work. you can have a trademark without filing just by uh-huh. using it in okay. a way. Okay, I always understood it that like copyright was you don't have to file for it, but trademark was you did. Oh, this is a beautiful website. I love the gradients. <laughs> <clears throat> oh my God, is this like? This coffee image. I feel like I've seen this on every like WordPress in in development. You know, I don't think that's it? WordPress. That's not. But WordPress. It's, it's but it's along those lines. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> that's funny. the The other uh, problem I think that Vox Media has um, now that they are doing like national politics as one of their arms is um, it sounds too much like Fox News. You know, like so many times when I tell people like, uh, you know, they're like, where'd you read that? I'm like, oh, on Fox.com. And they're like, you read Fox? And I'm like, no. Hmm. Yeah, I've never run into that problem, but I, I can see it. When and it, Whenever anyone links to one of these Vox.mn things, mm-hmm. I'm always like, what the hell happened to Vox? Like it fools me every time. Yeah. And I know that they're two separate things. Yeah. Like, why is this Minneapolis NIMBY stuff coming up on Vox.com? Mm-hmm. 
So it, it is legitimately confusing, and I encourage the people at Vox.com to come after Carol Becker and <laughs> reclaim their trademark. <laughs> Can I plug my pack? I have a political action committee. Did you know about oh, that? No, I did not know that. Yeah, so in the wake of my lawsuit and my my victory over Carol Becker, uh, I started a pack, and we're raising money to take down Carol Becker in 2021. Okay, that's you can visit us at notcarol.club. Dot club domains are only $1, so you know we're using your money wisely. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, check us out. Give us some money. And we're going to support good candidates in 2021. Carol has said she's not running, but I don't believe her. I think she's lying. We do a whole episode about Carol. Yeah. uh, That's probably for a different podcast. Okay. Feel free to cut all of this. Yeah, no, I don't worry about that. I always feel free to cut stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just because it came out of my mouth doesn't mean you need to put it on your podcast. Right. Yeah. No. <laughs> um although like uh most most of what we say, even if I'm not using it in the main show, will probably be in the fringe, which is basically the cutting room floor. Oh, uh, so you've got like a like a premium members where they can hear all the audio. So yeah, it. <laughs> Do they want to hear all the audio? I tried to to put the fringe in as a Patreon exclusive thing, uh-huh. but uh, oh, it's free. The, the other hosts, yeah, the other hosts on our network uh, did not like that because like the fringe had existed for a long time before we had a Patreon. Okay. Uh, and then, and it also was like a much more manual process to what like. Is, what is the fringe? So the fringe, yeah. So on our website, right, we've got several different shows, right? Mm-hmm. They each have their different feeds. Um, but then there is the fringe, which is just like usually, uh, it's just like the f- before and after show, right? Oh, um, okay. So like right now we're in the after show. Kind of. Well, yeah. For episodes like this where I have several different guests on and I definitely am not using every single thing that every single person says, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I just treat it as kind of the cutting room floor. Now, similar to like Talking Dead and stuff like that, will you have people come in and listen to our podcast and then talk about it afterwards? That would be... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we don't have quite the scale uh, okay. to support that level of meta okay. yet. <laughs> Keep it in mind. But yeah, um, we th- there have been several conversations that take place across Fringe episodes, which gets very, very in depth. <laughs> like you know, if because if you're somebody who listens to in boot camp, right? You'll probably, you know, if you're really interested in in the hosts of In Boot Camp, you might listen to the Fringe episodes for In Boot Camp, but you might not listen to the Fringe episodes for Second Opinion, for example, right? Because okay. those are different people. Um, and so, like, sometimes one person will say something during a Fringe, and then another host on a different show will hear that and respond to that in the Fringe of their own episode. And so... <laughs> you have to be listening to all of these different fringe episodes to like understand what the hell is going on in our heads Hmm. (laughs) it's not the most accessible setup that we've uh, created for ourselves Um, so so if i do if i start a podcast mm -hmm. is this the kind of setup i need 
Not, or do I do I need to get like one of those handheld things and just do it that? Oh, way? you're talking about physical setup. Um, yeah. It really depends. Like, um, I know that like Bill Lindeke for the Streets.mn podcast. Um, I think he has yeah a very portable setup because he's always interviewing people like in coffee shops just while they're like. Right. I don't want to bring people into my house. Yeah. Nobody um, wants that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure at... your, your cats don't want me in here. <laughs> cats, the cats are very interested in new smells. Um, I'm sure that your your shoes downstairs got a once over no, by them. They're yeah. not peeing in my shoes. They better they? not pee. No, I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting on the green line in pee covered shoes. I I did literally just have to put <clears throat> some baking soda on like one of my laundry bags because I was like, this smells like cat piss. Oh no! Why'd they do that? This is why I don't have cats. I just take pictures of cats from outside the window. <laughs> I I will make the distinction that there are three cats in this house and none of them are mine. Right? Oh. Two of them belong to my wife and two of and one of them belongs to our housemate. Okay. So, it's <laughs> it's not your fault. Yeah, it's not my fault. I don't deal with like, you know, any of the uh the the litter boxes or feeding them or anything. It's I've made that very clear when when there were cats entering the house. It's the best way to have cats, other people's yeah. cats. Exactly. <laughs> so, would a portable setup be okay? It wouldn't be like terrible audio. Yeah, yeah. Um and you know, there's um there's a few different ways to do this. I've seen I've seen some like, you know, fairly cheap like just like a $100 little thing that um you know, I should probably remember the brand name. Um but it, it's it's like it has a microphone built into the top of it, but then it also has like a line in so you can just like have a couple of lavalier mics, you mm-hmm. know, uh going into into it so that you don't have to, you know, deal with like moving right. a microphone between two people. Right. Because then you get fun stuff like this, where like it's louder when it's mm-hmm. closer to them. Um, yeah. All right. Um, I I have this kind of setup because um, we like on on my network we we evolved out of more of the the just consistent hosts on the shows. You know, um, like the extra dimension is is the only show where I regularly have like outs- guests from outside of the network coming in um so yeah still still kind of building up my capabilities for like having just random people over and and interviewing and stuff okay yeah thank you for the advice yeah (laughs) i love man don't get me started talking about podcasting it's i i can talk forever (laughs) about that that's why you have a podcast do is one of your podcasts about podcasts um i teach one of the classes that i teach at the high school is all about podcasting. Oh wow! They that's, teach podcasts in high school that, now. That's how I get what's going on. My outlet for for talking about podcasts. <laughs> Tim Walls is funding podcasts in high school now. Is that what he's doing? So here's the great thing about like the <clears throat> the computer tech area of community or of career and technical education. There are no state standards. Okay, you do whatever. I can do whatever I want. Okay, for the most part. Um, it sounds like they are trying to unify stuff a little bit more, which I am like, I understand local why, control, why they want this and <laughs> what, you know, the, the advantage of this. But like, I also, I'm very, very scared that it's going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause like currently, you know, I, I consider myself to be a good teacher and that I, you know, that I, I know what the students should be learning. But like, there's no guarantee that the students are going to be getting a teacher who you know cares about computer right. tech the way that I do. Right. Yeah. 
Just ban bad teachers. That's a good idea. And have no standards. Because <laughs> all the teachers will be good and they'll all be living up to their own high standards. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like in terms of how to structure, you know, a show, uh, definitely probably not like gonna be the way that we have our network structured because we have many many different shows under too many shows. one banner yeah um though that i mean that does allow each of the shows to kind of have a focus that you know keeps people there um you know so not everybody who's interested in listening about one guy's you know journey through a coding boot camp uh you know not all of those people are going to be interested in hearing you know what I have to say on the extra dimension about like um, digital citizenship and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but they, you know, they all have technology as a kind of unifying thread at the very least, all right. but you'd probably just have one podcast feed because it's, Oh yeah. Just the wedge live podcast exactly. wedge on tape. What do you think of that name? Wedge on it's... tape. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds I don't know. Now I'm thinking <clears throat> about like a physical tape that has been wedged in somewhere. Oh, no. Not the opposite of wedge live, wedge on tape, because uh, podcasts yeah. are not live. Wedge we- on tape. Wedge on demand. Wedge on demand. Right. Maybe. Because that's. I mean, at least in <clears throat> video, that's how they distinguish. Like, it's either live or it's. But it's on gonna demand be audio. Video. It's gonna be audio. Yeah, yeah. But like, I feel like that's the kind of vocabulary that people will be really used to. Yeah. I'm worried that I would, like, I don't know, have a city council member on, and we wouldn't have anything to talk about. You know, you ever worry you come on a podcast and like, I don't know what to say. Well, I mean, that's why I took notes about like what yeah, I wanted to talk about. Script. Yeah. This whole thing has been scripted. <laughs> <laughs> it's written ahead of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even, even on like shows where we, we, you know, it's, it's a particular like topic that we're covering in an educational sense. Like I absolutely cannot keep in my head, like all of the things that I, want to cover within that right. topic so i have to i have to write everything down mm-hmm. um yeah some people are really good at just winging it i'm not one of those people <laughs> i winged it i didn't come here with notes well i sent you the notes <laughs> beforehand and you uh, said that's very helpful Ian. Uh, yeah <laughs> but i didn't prepare i promise you i didn't prepare right okay i mean that's... all the carol becker stuff was unscripted off the top of my head didn't plan it well but you experienced it so I like did, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's visceral that's yeah in theory as as a guest right like your only job is to come with what you know right mm-hmm. what you have yeah. experienced yeah, but i'm constantly worried i don't know anything <laughs> <laughs> that's i mean that probably is an indicator that like you do know what you're doing maybe because like if you know if you're constantly like worrying about whether you are doing a good job then you're probably always trying to improve and you know Therefore, you think you assume too much about Wedge Live. <laughs> <laughs> We've never tried to improve. <laughs> Take a look at our website. It's you know, it is a beautiful fucking website. <laughs> WedgeLive.com. Yeah, my favorite part of it is the Abraham Lincoln with the boombox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to visit on desktop though. You can't you can't see the Abraham Lincoln on mobile. Right. Yeah. I also love that it says radio network here. And, and we don't have a radio aspect exactly, to what we do. Exactly, exactly. A lot of what Wedge Live is about is confusing people as to what Wedge Live is. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that that's the best approach. It's, it's certainly something. It's 
keep people guessing. Um, that way it's rewarding when people finally do get it. Mm-hmm. It's like it's you okay. Know, feels like they've had a journey to understanding what Wedge Live is. You can't just like knock people over the head with what you really are. Wait, is this an Etsy link? Yeah, we have an Etsy store. Oh, right. This <clears> is part <throat> of the merch stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Etsy.com slash Wedge Live. Get an embroidered hat that says Lindale in time for open streets on Lindale Avenue in Minneapolis. <laughs> what do you think of those hats? Um, I think that that definitely looks like something that I would see like a high school student wearing there around. You yeah. So young people, check out our store. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's really easy to do website called printful.com mm-hmm. will integrate with your etsy shop you don't have to do anything so those embroidered hats i don't have a stock of embroidered hats right it's just like i don't have to do anything it's all automated nice and you can get a beautiful hat and i get a little bit of money not a lot just a little mm-hmm. that's very cool what is this mug what is it's this a, illuminati mug it's a dark money mug because uh you know i'm often Often falsely accused of being funded by moneyed interests. If anyone knew how much money I really have, I wouldn't say anything like that. I wish I was. That's amazing. But you can get a dark money mug at the uh, Wedge Live store. Etsy.com slash Wedge Live. Right? That's the URL, right? Yep. Okay. I wonder if the capitals matter there. I don't think so. Thank goodness they don't. That would have been awful. (laughs) <laughs> so that's technology right i'm selling stuff online i don't have for to sure. do anything yeah yeah because that's yeah um it's it's been very interesting for me seeing how met how much of like the stuff that like political organizations have to do have to worry about you know regarding um regarding online presence and and you know stuff like that um is very much in line with just like what online creators, you know, have to have to worry about, right? Things you know, like having a merch store, having mm-hmm. a Patreon, have you know? You don't uh, have to have a merch store. Like Wedge don't. Live doesn't have to have a merch store. It doesn't make probably doesn't make enough money to make it worth it, right? But but like you said, it's very low effort. Yeah, for the way that you have it set up. Yeah, yeah, and it builds community. Mm-hmm. We we give away lots of buttons. And people will see the buttons on other people and go, hey, Wedge Live, it brings people together. Mm-hmm. So it's useful in that way. It's like, <clears throat> I feel like buttons are the new challenge coins. What are challenge coins? Uh, it's a <laughs> it's a thing that uh, I think was originally like a military thing. So okay. like if you were in a particular battalion or on a particular tour or something like that, right, um, they would like mint these specific coins, hmm. you know, for that and then later on when you're at the veterans get together or something um you know it like if somebody's talking about like you know their time oh. in whatever whatever you go challenge coin and you know they, this is about stolen valor is this that what this is or about? something like that i don't to know to prove you're but not it, pretending to be but i've seen challenge coins used in other contexts like um like radiotopia which is a a podcast collective that i uh enjoy very much i'm I'm into a lot of their shows right they come out with challenge coins like every year during their fundraising drive right so like mm-hmm. if you have been um supporting them you know since the beginning like you've got all these challenge coins that you can just like mm-hmm. throw down on the table when you're at like a radiotopia get together or something like that okay, yeah i see that so, yeah I, I feel like buttons are kind of it's true a similar 
we've had a different button at each cat tour. There you go. So if you've been to them all, you've got all the buttons. There you go. Lots of street cred there you built up. Mm -hmm. A lot easier to show off buttons than challenge coins because you can pin them to things. Yeah. Yeah. There's also the danger of losing them. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, Well, thank you for coming on, John. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Yeah. I um like as you as you said, hopefully this comes up before June twenty seventh. Um I <laughs> Hopefully. You gotta I, gotta get the uh cat tour plug in there. I do have a couple of other guests that have not gotten back to me that I'm hoping to uh get on the show, but um you know, even if not, I, I shouldn't use that as an excuse to not get this episode out in a timely manner. It's <laughs> I'm counting on it. <laughs> Hopefully I don't sound dumb. There's a lot writing. I'm probably it. not going to listen to the podcast. I'll tell you that. Okay. I don't like the sound of my own voice. How do you handle that? Uh, it took me quite a while to get over that. Okay. Yeah. Um, actually, the most shocking thing for me was after, you know, having done, having podcasted for a few years and having gotten used to my own voice, uh, one time I was listening to a recording of my dad's voice. And oh, I was, no. And I was like, wait a minute. That sounds just like me. Oh, which is something that i had not picked up on just you know speaking to him in in person (laughs) yeah i can see that yeah um but yeah i mean it's just it's something that everybody everybody struggles with at the beginning it was like this that's not what i sound like but you get over it after you're gonna cut out all the dumb stuff i said and make make me sound smart oh for sure yeah that's the goal um and of course you know you're not the only guest on this episode, so like, right. you can you can probably listen to the segments with other people and I'll try. S- skip your own if you want. I Ooh. do put timestamps in the in the show notes so that people can see. Like, all right, I'm interested in this thing. Okay, are this thing. Who are the other guests? Um, Ethan Austin. Austin. Oh shit, I don't remember how to say his name. But he said his name in the recording, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> he's he's um, the previous co-host of uh, or. Co-chair, I did it again. Not everything is a podcast. Of the not uh, everything has co-host. That's true. Uh, yeah, co-chair of the Bicycle Coalition. Um, I'm hoping to get um, Bill into Keon. Uh, I'm hoping to get um, Alex uh, Bout. What was her last name? Boutros. Yeah. Um, oh, Boutros. Boutros. Yeah, she's. Uh, I know Alex. Yeah. Um, all of like her her email address keeps bouncing the one that i found on on uh minnesota young dfl yeah the thing about alex i see her at every convention i go to like yeah she's involved in so many campaigns Mm -hmm. i don't know how she has the time and i heard her on uh the feminist killjoys phd podcast um which was uh the oh inspiration she's a really good guest i could have her on Mm -hmm. cool um and and then who else? Oh yeah, Mike Lindsay of Sustain Ward Three. I saw him talk at uh, a um, uh, a panel um, that the Alliance uh, hosted recently. Um, and he like I don't remember exactly what he was saying during the uh, during that that um, panel, but like it clicked, and I was like, oh, he's talking about a lot of the stuff that I want to talk about in this in this uh, episode. So I went up to him afterwards and I was asking him, you know, I was telling him about what this episode was going to be about. And he was like, oh, my gosh, like my area of focus when I was in college was like building online communities and stuff. And I was like, yo, perfect. You can study that in college? <laughs> Apparently. Hmm. Yeah. 
Um, I, you know, if you can, if you can learn about making a podcast in high school, I feel like you can study building, online building online communities in college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm self-taught. Yeah. It's, I didn't take any classes for this. Just stumbling into things. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a classic tale, right? Is like, you know, you, you were trained in one thing and then you fell into something else, right? Mm-hmm. I, I got a computer science degree and now I'm a teacher. I did not expect to be doing this for a living teaching technology so yes but like i'm not licensed no. oh really you're not licensed <laughs> yeah i've been on a community expert variance for the last four years wow because i wonder if i'm a community expert <laughs> <laughs> let me teach high school it's like it's it's a very very specific thing that like you know there there were they, they didn't have a set of requirements for the communications technology subset of career and tech education i could teach communications technology i tweet there you go sure (laughs) that's communication and technology this is the part where i splice in from earlier in the episode where you were like i'm not tech literate (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah my worst fear is somebody's gonna take the audio and they're gonna get me yeah yeah get me i'm gonna splice a meme into the show they're gonna get me it's unfortunate that there aren't as many like audio memes for yeah. me to take advantage of audio you know? like yeah because because uh social media is a very visual um experience yeah, you're gonna need to do like a what, what do they call those like a like a live stream yeah or, well, there are podcasts with video components right yes like, there are yeah yeah you could do that yeah um, nobody wants to see us though <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like what was it what were we talking about just now uh falling into things teaching teaching memes memes yeah um oh yeah it it definitely occurred to me while we were talking here uh that like oh yeah i've spoken at a couple of city council meetings and john could totally find footage of me in front of a microphone <laughs> uh, have you said anything interesting i don't know i don't remember you were probably great i could i could I, yeah i'd have to look just like with these podcasts right as soon as i like finish with one i don't remember what we said in it anymore um so i i definitely don't remember what i said in front of the city council <laughs> i remember people i remember testimony like somebody says something crazy i can remember forever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i can recall videos what people have said yeah so. i can yeah i can remember what other people said <clears throat> but like remembering what i said can't do it <laughs> i could see that i wonder if part of that is because like like i i when i get obsessed with like a topic right i it, like it will not leave my head. I cannot stop thinking about it until I like make something about it, such as a podcast. And mm-hmm. then as soon as that, you know, it's like it's like, you know, releasing this ghost from from it's it's you know, it's being trapped on this in this earthly coil, right? Like mm-hmm. um so as soon as I make a podcast episode about a topic, just like, oh, there you go, it leaves my mind. <laughs> yeah. Um I don't know, the act of kind of creating, doesn't that kind of like embed it deeper within you though a little bit yeah i mean yeah i definitely feel like i have a better understanding of a lot of the topics that we've covered but like yeah remembering specific things that was was said right yeah um i'm not as bad as ryan ramper said another guy on our network who like on a regular basis like i've seen you know people asking him like hey have we ever done a, a podcast episode about such and such and he'll be like no i don't think we have and i'm like <laughs> yes you were 
in that episode, Ryan, mm-hmm. <laughs> we talked yeah. about this topic for at least an hour. That doesn't mean you can't do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of the blessing and the curse of like covering technology is like, yeah, things things change so fast that like, yeah, you could cover the same topic again. But then it's also like, how do I go about doing that? Like, do I retread all of what we went over last time or, you know, right. Do I assume that we mostly have different people listening to this than before? It, yeah. I struggle with like wedge live becoming too directed at like in jokes and people mm-hmm. like, ha- so I wonder sometimes when people come to it fresh, like, is this too way far out there and obscure for anyone to, to get it yeah understand what's happening and i noticed like a a recent example uh was like um you you had an article on the website about like the the 2020 plan was that what it was it's very confusing and like um and somebody on the city council was also very confused about it right Mm -hmm. and so you you wrote about that and then Later on, I looked at the YouTube channel and I found a video clip of, you know, that guy talking about the neighborhood's 2020. Well, I I embedded that video in the blog post. Okay, yeah. But, like, if I had been only looking at the YouTube channel, Mm -hmm. I would have had none of that context, you Uh know? Yeah. Um, So that's what, you know, I started wondering, like, oh, are the, like, is the YouTube channel supposed to be a standalone thing or am I only supposed to... Sometimes it's supplementary, uh-huh. and sometimes the videos can be consumed by themselves without any background information. Mm-hmm. And a lot of a lot of times, I'll just upload something to YouTube so I can embed it in a blog post. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I did there. Yeah, and there are certain things that there's so much you'd have to talk about to explain it, like this neighborhood association stuff. There's way too much backstory, so. Like you either kind of care about neighborhood associations and know something about it, because I've written the I feel like I've written the same blog post about neighborhood associations like a couple of times a year for yeah. a few years. That I really, when I first started out, wrote about that stuff a lot, and like I guess people can hear that again and again, like need to hear it again and again. But I don't know, it, it really got old. Yeah. Yeah. Like complaining about the same stuff and like, why aren't we doing anything about it? And it feels like we're not going to do anything about it this year, even though it's a big, big political topic. So, And like in, in theory, <clears throat> it would totally be possible to direct people to like the original post, right? That you yeah. wrote about that and kind of thing. Nobody clicks through. Exactly. Hardly and, anyone clicks through on a tweet, let alone a link in a blog post. And like, and, and <laughs> if, you know, and nothing, if, if it's not like a new post if it's not new content then like it's just not going to get in front of people yeah yeah because mm-hmm. i like i want to treat some of our podcast episodes as like living documents right where i can like update the the audio itself oh, with really? new you know so if if somebody goes and listens to this you know podcast episode in the future uh if there's something drastically different than like i can you know that sounds very it. hard y- yeah <laughs> <laughs> And and also very hard to kind of like, you know, how do you communicate the fact that like, okay, we have this addendum, right? It it doesn't become like it's it's not gonna get in front of people in the sense that like it's not a new item in the feed, mm-hmm. right? Um so it's like what what do I do? Like 
post the update itself as an item in the feed and then also splice the update into the original you know like it's hard work it's, yeah one of the problems with youtube is like if you make a mistake with youtube you can't like edit it mm-hmm. edit that stuff out so yeah you just gotta delete it and if you re-upload a new version no you just leave it leave the mistake in there <laughs> it's, it's got too many views it's like it's too well indexed in the search mm. you don't want to lose that yeah because there's one that I had like a, a stat wrong at the end of a video, and it's like, oh, that's a bad mistake. Mm-hmm. Like, but I can't correct it. Yeah, <clears throat> and sometimes, sometimes there are things that like this is a completely different issue. But like, um, uploaded I uploaded yesterday uh, the the senior video right that a few students had put together, and like a couple of the songs that they included in there. Um, have such egregious like copyright uh mm-hmm. policies behind them that like nobody is allowed to see this video now oh really so, so i'm like okay well now you got to replace those two vi- songs with like some other songs and we're gonna have to delete the original version and just upload a new version it was on youtube yeah and youtube caught it yeah wow. oh yeah um and usually what happens when when you know youtube content id goes oh that's a that's a copyrighted song don't worry about it we'll just send the money to the artist exactly and, like, keep your exactly your music. um but like these two particular songs for some reason the copyright holders decided like nope mm-hmm. nobody's allowed to hear these on youtube yeah i hate that yeah yeah can always self-host your videos but you don't get as much reach that way yeah or put them on like vimeo or something yeah yeah <clears throat> just find a different song yeah yeah, that's that's what I'm having the students do. <laughs> yeah. Um. Alrighty. I think I'm pretty happy with this. Yeah, an hour twenty one. There's gonna be a lot of. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna have the joy of listening to this all over again and cutting stuff out? Yeah. If I was on top of my game, I definitely would have been putting in markers to you know indicate like saw, oh this is where we. I saw a word different. pop up like fucking. Yeah, because like know when you've used a bad word. No, I I typed that in. Oh, manually. so you, well, I just did it again. You got to type it in again. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, we are technically marked as non-explicit on, on okay. Apple Podcasts. All right. So. We kept it clean. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, awesome. Well, I'm going <clears> to <throat> stop this recording then. Um, okay, so it looks like I adjust my microphone to be like this. All right, my name is Ian, and for breakfast I had... Let's see, I'm going to turn myself up here a little bit. What do I even have? French toasters. I love that's my favorite kind of malto meal cereal. And how about you, Michael? How, what did you have for breakfast? Uh, my name is Mike Lindsay, and for lunch today I went to uh, Mickey's Dining Car featured in the Mighty Ducks. Ah, there we go. Oh, I bet that makes a difference. <laughs> yes. Have, oh man, you have no idea how many times I've been like halfway through something and realized the mic wasn't really yeah. <laughs> powered so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I went. Uh, I'd never been to one of the Mickey's cars, and so I had a buddy hit me up, and I was like, "Yeah, why don't we, why don't we swing down there and check it out?" Kind of a greasy spoon. Is that the one in like downtown? We went to the one that's closer to like selling, closer to Highland. Okay, on, we were, on West Seventh or whatever. Yeah, still yeah. on West Seventh though. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly right. Nice. Yeah, I um, 
I have a vague memory of being at the downtown Mickey's Diner. Yeah. When I was a tiny, tiny child. And, like, according to my parents, that was, like, the worst experience of, like, (laughs) you know, having small children along with them in this diner. Uh, Living out your Muddy Ducks. Exactly. Dreams. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Gosh, children. They're... (laughs) They're quite something. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty tight space to have youth, I think. And, yeah. And man, when you're at the counter, the the griddle is just a couple feet right in front of your face. It was actually <laughs> really fun to watch them experience their lunchtime rush as much as they have one. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I don't have very many notes written down. Okay. For our conversation. Yeah. Because honestly, I'm like. I don't know much about like building online communities. Well, and I think I think it can we can take it a bunch of different directions. I mean, it's it's I've been thinking a lot about oh how we use Twitter today versus how it was mm-hmm. created to be used, what that means for the Twin Cities, what that means for who's left out of a conversation, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um and probably can touch on, you know, other other online platforms as well and like how they're different and stuff absolutely yeah yeah um okay so mike do you want to give yourself a little introduction of who you are and why why you're here for this episode absolutely yeah yeah it's it's always interesting to think about like who is behind the social media accounts of like the organizations and things that we interact with on a on a day-to-day basis totally i think even even understanding how that's managed organizationally right like is it is it one person is it three people Mm -hmm. who has the keys exactly uh, to to the car so to speak can (laughs) sometimes tell you a lot about uh the resources that are being allocated or or kind of how things are viewed internally for importance Mm -hmm. yeah and i can tell you that like for a small organization like the uh, St. Paul Bicycle Coalition, you know, it's sure. like, um, we've got this account. The uh, password is totally not a secure thing that you might be able to guess just based on the fact that it's about bikes. Right. And like, you know, because we only have like two or three people that need <laughs> access to it. Absolutely. And everybody needs to be able to remember the password. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We make it really easy and then we can all... I imagine that's very different than like in a professional context of, you know. Sure. I mean, professionally, I've worked for marketing companies or sales companies as small as four or five full-time people. Mm-hmm. And that tends to be more of the all-hands-on-deck approach to social media. We all have the login. If I'm at an event, if you're an event, we can we can all dial in uh, mm-hmm. and, and post photos or updates or, or relevant information for our brand at, at our particular situation. Um in the role I'm in now with the county, pretty different, big organization. We've got a couple people that are uh, on the editorial side that really oversee and put together the message calendar, and many of the mm. others of us are our collaborators, right? We might put together some content or propose some ideas, but then it's really somebody else giving it a common voice mm-hmm. or, or making sure that it fits in sort of a larger message. Um, yeah, so make it like mentioning the like a calendar. Yeah, makes me think about like. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's that's uh, a good overview of like how organizations use social media. Um, I mean, of course, there's a lot of different things that they can do. Like, there's encouraging people to come to events. There's just inf- informing, you know, the audience. Um, 
some of those yeah there's there's the there's the event support uh there's the general getting the information out there mm-hmm. right like today's a good example uh weather updates or yeah. flooding updates um I think there's kind of the the general interest, kind of the did you knows mm-hmm. uh, that might that might just kind of be those human interest types of things. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, one thing I'm always um, so one of the the big uh, aspects of of what we were interested in talking about um, is like online communities mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, um, and I think like a a very really really important thing that organizations can do is is trying to you know help foster communities around the special interests that they that they're you know championing right um so like yeah i I don't even know where to begin with questions (laughs) about online communities like can you give me like a a broad overview of like kind of well i think we can use i think we can use kind of the like let's use saint paul and bikes Mm -hmm. as an example right um i've lived in saint paul almost a decade now. And when I moved here, I was an occasional bike rider. Mm-hmm. And in the last six or seven years, I got into road cycling and occasionally commute by bike. And more and more often are going to the grocery store on a bike, going to a taproom on a bike, uh, going to uh, a rec sports league by by bike. So maybe not like my primary mode of, of transportation, but um, by posting and tweeting about those things, I did. I kind of stumbled my way into a couple different uh, communities, mm-hmm. and and it's. I think Facebook, Twitter, those two specifically give you a lot of tools to find like-minded people uh, when it comes to interest, hobbies, activities. Yeah. Um, people people talk about how creepy the algorithm is, right? You know, and it's yeah. like, oh, it's suggesting these things, but but like. The connections that it makes are usually pretty darn spot on. I've been surprised a few times. Yeah. yeah I really I really have been. Um, you know, another example would be um, I, I started a new position with the county a couple of months ago, and I was friends with – I was connected uh, on social media to one or two people. And within about a week, uh, they figured me out. <laughs> Uh, and so, and so all of a sudden it was like three or four people a day who Mm -hmm. I was like in an office space with, or was encountering in the hallways or had seen their name on an upcoming meeting. And I was like, how did you get me so perfectly (laughs) dialed in this quickly? Um, but I experienced the same thing, the same thing on bikes. Mm -hmm. Um, and some of that's the, the location sharing, I think, uh, and, and, and maybe tweeting from common events or using common hashtags, um, but a lot of it's just who you're responding to, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, I think of it as, as kind of that, that, um, uh, that Venn diagram visualization. Mm-hmm. If, if there are seven or eight people that have us in common, but we're not connected, it's probably going to propose that. Yeah. 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 And yeah. And especially like, I think I noticed as soon as I discovered the, the story of how I discovered the St. Paul Bicycle Coalition is really hilarious. Like, I happened to be going to the Rondo Community Library okay. for a completely separate thing. Yeah. Right? Um, I was going for, like, a, a little training program uh, for, for WFNU uh, DJs, right? Yeah. And I get there, and I'm trying to lock up my bike, and the, the bike racks are all full. And I'm like, what the heck? 
What's going on here? This never happens. What is what is this beautiful omen I've discovered? And like, <laughs> and there was one person who was also locking up their bike. Uh, later found out that was Tom uh, Baz Jim. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and is that how you say his last name? Yeah. 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 I uh, he's he's a Bastion of cycling. That's okay. how I say. <laughs> and and he was like, we walked in together, and he goes, "Oh, we're over here," and I'm like, "I'm not with you. I don't know who you are." <laughs> Tell me what's over here, yeah. Tom. So, like, I went to my thing, and then after I finished with it, I, like, saw that they were all still in that room. And so I was like, I guess I'll go and check out who the, all these cyclists are. This has happened on. to us a few times with sustained Ward 3 meetings uh-huh. in, in public spaces. Like, yeah. hey, I'm here for the informational session on X. I'm like, well, that's not what we are, but, you know, you're you're welcome to stay and <laughs> and, and talk about uh, sustainability. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, once I found the Bike Coalition, right. and I think I, like, followed them on Twitter – um then twitter was just like okay now you want to be following like bill linda key totally. and ethan austin and yep. you know like everybody else all at once and so like twitter definitely understands kind of i think who those like pillars of you know these communities are right um and can really effectively kind of figure out who you should be who you should be following in order to like get all that information that kind of percolates upwards and outwards yeah yep i've i've encountered uh some people and developed good friendships out of similar experiences right like mm-hmm. some of the people i've i've met through uh, real life turned social media connections um, have introduced me to social media connections that have turned into real life friends so yeah. it kind of works it kind of works both directions mm-hmm. yeah and weirdly enough that's that's something that I didn't discover through like the social media uh, platforms either. Like sure. Mike Foley just straight up said to me like one day, you know, person to person. Yeah. Uh, hey, are you doing bike tag? And I'm like, what the heck is bike tag? <laughs> <laughs> and then after after that, my life was over because it's like, okay, anytime I'm leaving the house, I got to check to see where the tag is first to see if I, it's, you know. <laughs> feasible for me to pick it up one more good reason to go ride your bike <laughs> yep totally and yeah. i'm and i'm i'm so bad like you said that it's it's fun to uh see where people enjoy riding and you know see what the common routes are i actively take tags way off to like the yeah. east side where nobody goes yeah and- <laughs> yeah that i think i think it's always it's always fun when people do that because um again that that opens it up to somebody that maybe doesn't ride that many haha every day yeah, or doesn't yeah. doesn't commute across summit every day uh, and gives them a chance to to jump in on it too mm-hmm. yeah um man i'm just i'm reflecting on the number of times when like i hear about how somebody else like uses their you know personal digital devices mm-hmm. and i'm like you do what now like yeah. i would have never thought of that sure <laughs> what what are you thinking of um i don't know i mean like i guess i i grew up uh, using an RSS reader, you know, okay. for like, you know, from the time I was in like high school. Uh, and when I discovered that like, oh, most people have never even heard of an RSS reader. I was like, wow, what? what? Yeah. Like, how do you even live your life? How do you get through your day? <laughs> where, where do you get your information from? Right. Oh, right. The algorithms just bring it to you. Yeah. Okay. They, they, they do. I mean, for a long time, I was in the habit of keeping different news apps on my phone, right? Mm. So maybe maybe Star Trib and Minnesota Public Radio and uh, something from my hometown like uh, oh, WQAD had an app. Uh, it's the Illinois side of the, of the Quad Cities. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, if I had 10 minutes here or was killing time on the bus or whatever, yeah, I would open up one of those and 
read a couple articles and it was a good way to get, you know, for a long time, those were ways to get a, get past paywalls too. Sure. I don't do that anymore. Uh-huh. It's just, it's, it's right. If I open Twitter, uh, it's just, it's right, it's right there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's fairly well focused and there are plenty of other apps that, that collate that for you. It's not just the tweet machine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But there are, there are a lot of ways to do it. Yeah. Yeah. There are. But, um, yeah, I, I think you're right. The people, we don't all use it the same way. Yeah. And that's, I mean, honestly, it's probably a good thing. Yeah, like, it probably is. <laughs> yeah. Um, it makes it, yeah, it makes it more challenging for, for those of us who are trying to figure out how to reach everybody. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, total aside. Yep. I should probably put a marker in. Um, cool that you're from the quad cities because uh i i have an aunt and uncle who live in bettendorf oh do you really so, yeah we, we nice. visit them like at least once a year awesome yeah. yeah i grew up in davenport that's home. okay my parents are still uh living in the east side of davenport their their place the house i grew up in is about two blocks from the davenport bettendorf border so nice. yep. yeah i'm um, actually headed down there this weekend for a bike ride Cool. Um, I ride with my father every year on Ragri. That's the ride across Iowa mm-hmm. um, with our hometown club, Quad City Bicycle Club, QCBC. Nice. And uh, QCBC puts on a pretty grueling weekend ride this second weekend of June. So mm-hmm. it's 120 miles, uh, 110 miles on Saturday from Davenport up to Dubuque, crossing into Illinois and into southwest Wisconsin. Okay. And then oh, wow. Sunday, it's about a 90-mile ride home on the uh, on the Iowa side. Bang. So you're in and out of the river valley all day it's called tom roff tour of the mississippi river valley well shoot now i gotta put that on my calendar <laughs> uh, put it put it on uh tom tom roff 2020 it's um it's a good adventure and it's gorgeous i mean if you have any affinity for that river valley or that part of the mississippi corridor it's um it's a it's a beautiful ride mm-hmm. um and it helps distract from how much your legs hurt from climbing <laughs> 4500 feet on saturday and yeah. 4000 4, more on sunday so <laughs> that's one thing that um being involved with like you know the bike coalition has ruined for me is like i can't go to other cities like bettendorf or whatever without looking around going Oh, that's a nice bike route right there. And yeah. you know, oh, we could use some bike lanes on this yep. road. And <laughs> you start to you start to make notes on what's good and what's bad and what's missing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, the riverfront of the Quad Cities is underwater right now. They've had some mm. they had some historic flooding down there, and um, it's getting better slow. Yeah, yeah, flood. Yeah, flooding along the river um, affected a lot of uh, wayfinding for me <laughs> this spring. Absolutely, uh, I was riding. I was riding back up, like, uh, south of downtown St. Paul, uh, like, along Water Street. Uh, I'll just tell you, I was trying to avoid climbing Ohio Street Hill. Ah, Uh, sure, sure. (laughs) And and I realized pretty quickly on Water Street when I saw the signs that the water was high and the road was closed that that was likely not going to be an option for me. And so I, I decided to ride it to see how far I could get, and I could get about... 100 yards past the high bridge uh, going back towards Mendota uh, uh-huh. uh, or back towards L- Lilydale and um, had to had to flip around and then go climb. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, <laughs> I ended up doing that exact same thing when I was like trying to get from the east side of St. Paul down to the Bloomington REI. Sure. Uh, and, <laughs> and I discovered like, okay, I, well, I guess I'm going up and then I'm going down. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Sometimes um, those, those, water level trails it doesn't take much and that's yeah and that's one of the unfortunate things about like bike infrastructure is so often it's built as like 
recreational, you know, like, okay, we're going to put it along the riverfront because sure. it's pretty and people like going there. And, sure, totally. But that's not useful when all the water It's just is, not always, you know. it's not always accessible. Yeah. We, we had this same conversation uh, with an event in Highland Park back in May called Tour Day Highland. Okay. Uh, it's a walking, cycling, and just general community celebration uh so there's a there's a walking tour along Mm -hmm. the river road there's a 10 mile bike ride that this year utilized some of the cleveland bike lanes and then the 20 mile route uh zipped down the river road cross at 35e and then came back up the big rivers trails okay and uh um Fort Selling State Park before going up the Minneapolis side of the river road through, through Minnehaha Park and back down. But I tell you all of that to say we had planned for the 20 mile route to, um, go down the hill at the hidden falls, North gate, uh, and then ride kind of those, those riverfront trails all the way back through Crosby farms, uh, so that Uh people could, could enjoy that regional park, which is so beautiful. And I think really underutilized, um, before we went back up to Shepherd Road to cross the 35E bridge, mm-hmm. um, we had enough rain even at that point of the calendar where it just they weren't passable. Yeah, and and frankly the parks were closed. I mean the gates were just they were mm. barricaded and locked up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it uh, that makes a big difference. Yeah, it's one one time. Um, actually, this is just last fall. Like I had kind of a friction between my desire to be you know a bike commuter sure. and like a, you know a community biking event when i was like trying to get to church uh on a sunday morning in early september turns out you know the saint paul classic they like close off roads and everything yes and and, you know i was going along um phelan boulevard and like they have lots of signs up that say like you know oh don't pass each other like you know just this is a nice slow stroll and i'm like i need i'm late for church i gotta go (laughs) I gotta go. Get out of my way, cyclists coming through. <laughs> you know, I think I think that's a tension that we that we see a lot uh, around town too. I had a friend ask me recently uh, what would be some good safe trails mm-hmm. for her for her to ride, and I think she's kind of tired of maybe getting almost door dinged on on Summit and doesn't live close to the Greenway. Mm-hmm. And you know, I personally I've had some uh, some some wipeouts or at least some, some, some near hits, uh, rather than near misses on, yeah. on the river road trails. Uh, and so I was advocating mm. for some of those paths down through Lilydale, uh, and that, that do connect back up towards raspberry Island. But it was like, again, only if the water is low enough to mm-hmm. give you a, a good passable route out and, or, and or loop back. So, yep. It's been, it's been a tough spring. <laughs> it's been, a, it was a very, very wet May. That's for real. Um, let's see. Oh yeah. We also talked about, um, online identity. Yeah. yeah. And how we build. Sure. Yeah. Are, think... we, are we thinking about like building our own like personal brand? If I can be a filthy millennial. Sure. You can be as, you can be as filthy and millennial with me as you care to be. <laughs> um, I can handle it. <laughs> Being an old millennial, uh, I'm prepared. Yeah. I, uh, when I think about like identity formation and self presentation online, well, I, I guess first of all, that's that's how I would define brand for the for sure. the individual user. Yeah, right? yeah, it's yeah. Like, how are you presenting yourself? What are you really trying to communicate with your picture and your bio? Um, and then, how are you developing or how are you living that out? How are you demonstrating that 
what you've presented is true, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and and this is a little bit closer to uh, my academic field of study. Here we go, mass common linguistics. And so, <laughs> you know, the the social science theories behind it are are quite common, uh, and and they're and they're cross discipline too. But you know, just as an example, um, I did a presentation not so long ago um, about Facebook, uh, and and what you can really learn or tell about a person as their Facebook profile changes over time, right? Mm. That's one of the methodologies that we might use in social sciences. How does this look today versus how does it look three weeks from now versus how does this person's profile look six months from now? And mm-hmm. what can we learn by studying and, and noting those those changes? So um, if you see a picture of uh, me in a suit and tie – uh, as my as my picture, and this this would be fine for LinkedIn or other platforms too. Mm-hmm. But then from my bio, you can tell I'm a 34 year old guy that lives in St. Paul, um, and I enjoy cycling, and I'm a soccer referee, and I have some connection to local government. You might not know what that is. But then I say, yeah, I'm active in my church, uh, and I sing in the the Lutheran church choir at mm-hmm. you know such and such church up up the street. Okay, fine. There's shirt and tie, Mike, right? Uh, but you, when you view that, you're going to start making up your own assumptions about me. Uh, you might find some connection to those things. For you and me, it'd probably be the cycling part, yeah. um, maybe the church part, depending upon you know where where you know yeah. what what you what you're about denominationally. Not anymore, but sure, yeah. well, to- totally. And that's <laughs> well, talk about tracking changes. <laughs> um, uh, but then, what if I have all that same bio information, right? Mm-hmm. White guy, 34, St. Paul, cyclist, local government, all that same stuff. But rather than me in a suit, it's me in a in a soccer referee uniform with a mm. FIFA patch on. Okay. Does that change how you look at me or feel about me or connections you might you might find with me? Probably. If you're a big United fan, that you know, a Minnesota United fan, that could be a good or a bad influence on on how you perceive me. Yeah. Uh leave the the text content the same, same bio again, right? And now it's a picture of me uh chugging a picture of beer. Um, does that change? Uh, people might start to find some hypocrisy, right? Like, uh, is he an active, sporty, soccer, cycling guy that's involved in church, or is he, mm-hmm. you know, boozing it up every night? And so you start you, those things start to either um, uh, tell a story of intention or or contradict. Yeah. Uh, and so anyway, I uh, that's just one example. Um, I really admire people who are able to like just maintain their personal like Twitter accounts as like (laughs) very focused on one aspect, you know? Um, I'm, I'm shocked at people that do that because it's just not how I use the platforms. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I really consider myself what I would, um, I'll get ridiculed for saying this because it sounds pretentious out loud. So let's just own, (laughs) let's own, let's own that up front. Uh, I'm what I would call uh, an original purpose Twitter user, right? Okay, okay. So if we look back to Twitter at its inception, uh, now over a decade ago, uh, Twitter would say, we're trying to get you to answer the question, what are you doing? Okay. You know, what What are you doing? Where are you doing it? What are you doing? Uh, it, it was an initially a workaround for not having to text short codes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, don't quote me, but if I'm not mistaken, the creators of Twitter were living in a big city like New York, and rather than getting charged 25 or 50 cents a text message to send a text from me to my 12 closest friends, right? So 50 right. cents times 12, six bucks to send one text, uh, they created this short code messaging service so that they could 
basically have a cloud-based messaging service. Yeah. Uh, send, send one text, 50 cents, and now all of you can see it uh, on your web browser or whatever platform you're, you're viewing from. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you? What are you doing? Uh, Mike's out in Lower Town. Mike's out in Uptown. Mike's in Northeast. Mike's on a bike ride in Iowa. It's it's sort of a really unsophisticated form of community building just by answering that question. But by and large, it's not how we use it today. Well, I did notice that you tweeted on your way over here, I'm on the 16 bus. And I was like, wow, that's a... <laughs> I, I really was on the 16. I was really on the 16 bus. Um, and, and so I think one of the other principles, we can talk more about how that's not the purpose of Twitter today, or at least not how people utilize mm-hmm. it today. But you know, not only is it a time before brands were, were using it as a marketing tool, but it's also at a time when Twitter would have told you, hey, um, this isn't the same as the thousand people that read your blog about how to uh, adopt a dog or rescue animals, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't the same as the um, two or three people that read uh, your your weekly family update about (laughs) your your parent who is really battling uh, an illness or that kind of thing. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's somewhere in the middle, right? Like, uh, if I tweet out like, hey, I'm mowing the lawn, well, my college roommate doesn't care, and, yeah. and and my my friend from my colleague from work doesn't care, uh, but my roommate might, or my my father might find that interesting, right? And like, if I'm riding the 16 bus, my sister in Denver doesn't care about that, but like, you saw it, and you know, I'm on I, I'm on my way, yeah, yeah. Uh, And so it's like, there are different audiences, even if you don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is by and large not how we use that platform. Yeah, no, I and I, when you said. Like that you were going to go back to how Twitter was originally envisioned. I thought that you were just going to bring up like chronological timelines. Sure. You know, because that's what I'm used to people (laughs) complaining about. Like, oh, we've gone from I can very easily see everything in the order that somebody tweeted this or retweeted it. Yeah. To like who even knows what like, you know, moving around Twitter has done in, you know, in your home feed. Um, Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's just it's an entirely different experience. One of the like you were talking about RSS feeds mm-hmm. before, one of the tactics I used on Twitter back in 2009 when I was new to it uh wouldn't make any sense in today's context. One of the strategies I picked up from my cousin Sean uh was never to follow more than 100 accounts. Mm. The idea was if you're following more than 100 accounts, you're probably getting too much information more than you can more than you can really consume or benefit from um and or you're just you're just following things that you don't actually care yeah, about yeah. or have an interest in so it was it was kind of an easy metric to remember that forced you to go back and look at what you were really consuming and what you were really mm-hmm. getting um the way twitter is working today that's it's just it's impossible yeah it doesn't it wouldn't work at all it wouldn't make any sense we have we have a new we have a new example just in the news of this week as uh, uh, that I that I think kind of makes this point too in a different way uh, in the news that Apple is kind of shutting down iTunes right uh-huh. uh, I'm I'm old enough to have attended uh, an undergraduate institution when you could have your iTunes library plugged into the internet of campus and like see other friends oh, yeah, libraries yeah, yeah. and like that was a social network for real because. Yeah. 
when I saw that you had downloaded, you know, the the latest Saves the Day album before it even came out to college radio, that told me something about you, and I was excited <laughs> to find you in real life, right? Um, but and that's the kind of experience that like Spotify has kind of tried to replicate with Facebook integrations and stuff. That's so, e- that's like, exactly the example. If if iTunes was the individual curated deliberate uh, deliberate choice, what's in my library, what makes the cut, what's not. Mm-hmm. Spotify and arguably other streaming services are, hey, what are the seven things you like and we'll take it from here. Yeah. Uh, and they do a heck of a job because uh, I'm on record for saying Spotify can have $9.99 a month from me forever. Uh, I'm a big fan of the service, but it is it is different than the old than the old model. Yeah, yeah. That was very like kind of decentralized. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. What made it special was was the decisions you made for you based on your own assessment of what you like, mm-hmm. uh, and we don't do as much of that now. And that's uh, and that's something that you don't you know you can't lie about what's in your library, right? right. You know, yeah, you're not gonna put stuff. I mean, unless you're really really thinking about it, like <laughs> oh somebody's gonna see such and such a thing, and I'm gonna look so hip. Yeah, you, know? <laughs> you didn't listen to Fugazi. You're not old enough. You know, like, like you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's it continues to change and evolve. And uh, yeah, we continue to turn over uh, what we let influence us um, to external sources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> it, it is. I think. I think it especially is as we as we continue to think about engagement and outreach and conversation and preferences Mm -hmm. yeah all that oh man um yeah that's that's all that i had written down and much more (laughs) sure yeah we covered some ground um yeah it's a it's an interesting time for social media Mm -hmm. uh at the individual level and the the organizational level um and i think a really complicated time at the business level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I would like to kind of finish off with like, I mean, I don't see very many things that like sustain ward three put out because I'm not in ward three. Sure. Um, and so I don't, you know, follow as closely, yeah. but like, I, is, is there anything that you guys are doing as a group, uh, you know, that we haven't touched on yet? Sure. I think, I think one of the big initiatives, uh, that's, that's, in progress now for Sustain Ward 3 uh, is a project that was called Safety on Summit uh, that mm. was focused on uh, improving infrastructure uh, along Summit yeah. uh, for, for cyclists specifically that is now being called Safety on Streets and is taking okay. a broader look at at bike infrastructure, um, not just on that one road and not just in Ward 3, but but at the city as, as a whole. Um, I think that's a place where you might uh, find it easy to re-engage or to, or to connect with as a as a non Ward Three sure. resident. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think uh, I think you know sustain really organized to be uh, advocates for some of those principles, um, and and obviously we had been focused uh, quite a bit on the redevelopment at the uh, 120 plus acre Ford site mm-hmm. and. Um, I think moving forward, yeah, bike infrastructure is is one topic where uh, it will require more of a citywide conversation and approach. Yeah. The Ford site, man, that was something that, like, as somebody from the east side, and then I moved to Frogtown, you know, sure. 
was not on my radar as much as it should have been okay. until like the mayoral election. And sure. then I was like, you know, researching all the candidates. I'm like, literally the only thing that any of these people saying that's different from each other is like what their opinion is on of the the Ford site. Yeah. You know. Well and they project. and they you know they ultimately they had a, a significant vote about what that site could could look like. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. You want to talk about the Ford site? If you want to, <laughs> that, that that probably won't make it into the main. That's that's episode fair. Yeah, just it can become a deep rabbit hole. I mean, I mean, it, it really can. I think, I think at the end of the day, we have a pretty good product planned for that redevelopment. Uh, in my opinion, it could be better. Um, in my opinion, it, it could be it, it, the current plan could be improved upon. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, uh, well, a, a lot of the factors that we've already talked about, um, access to transit, uh, housing density, uh, mixed use, how we value parking and, and where we put, mm-hmm. uh, you know, retail and commercial commercial businesses, you know, all, all of those things. And um, you kind of have to view it. I think there are a couple different lenses that you can approach it through. You can, you can think about it as the guy that moved from Frogtown to, you know, a different part of St. Paul, you can look at it through the lens that I often do, which is, is as a renter in Highland Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can try to look at it through the lens of, uh, of the developer. And um, you can look at it through the lens of being a uh, more like bo- baby boomer in age, single family homeowner, two blocks from the mm-hmm. redevelopment. And, and if you can start to uh, comprehend those different viewpoints, you can start to get a handle on why this was, was such a big and sometimes divisive conversation and, and why there was so much focus on some of those campaigns Yeah, um, as, as to there's a lot of identity politics there and, and a lot of actual implication too. Man, housing density isn't a sexy topic outright. Right. <laughs> um, somebody probably disagrees with me, and that and that's okay. But like, I would argue that um, building height and uh, setbacks and articulations with material and design mm-hmm. standards are not things that your average citizen finds compelling enough right, to right. come talk or to come sit in a room or a hot hot community room basement or church basement for an hour and a half and wait to maybe, maybe have a chance to speak at a microphone. Yeah. Um, and so the it's, Venn diagram of those people and like the 99% invisible uh, audience uh, is probably pretty. Yeah. <laughs> they, they overlap a lot. I'm sure. And so I, I want to copy that diagram, but yes, <laughs> I, I agree with you. And it's, it's like, how do we, how can we use these platforms Right? How can we use these strategies to get that next that next person to right. understand that uh, this might be a little abstract, but it, it really does matter, and, mm-hmm. and we, in your opinion, really does carry some weight in this process. Yeah, and and so come share it and and make it known. Um, yeah, yeah. I already follow you on Twitter though, so that's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so any, yeah, any final thoughts? Yeah, I, I guess my, like, just some of my final thoughts might be, I'm really curious to see where we go next because 2019 is an election year and mm-hmm. we've, we've got some stuff on this ballot in, in St. Paul. Um, you know, we, trash not, collection. We have, yeah, <laughs> we have, we have, and it's not all trash, you know, oh uh, you know, we, it's, it's an, it's an election year and, um, 
I think you don't have to look very far into St. Paul Twitter today to get some examples of um, how divisive some of these topics like infrastructure and engagement um, uh, can, can be, you know, or mm-hmm. not, not engagement, but, but process yeah. can, can be. Um, and I think, I think we're going to learn some kind of a lesson from how our different candidates handle um, their social media accounts and, and how they choose to mm. engage. And you can look at a couple different wards in St. Paul right now and get, and get different examples, very, very different types of strategies on, on how we do that. Um, and I think some will be re- rewarded for it. And I think some, uh, will, will have to pay a price for it and, um, everywhere in between. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, I I'd be, uh, Back to my social science roots, I'd be really curious to see how our conversation today holds up a year from now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So things, things change rapidly. Totally. Yeah. And so I, I guess my final thought is, uh, stay tuned, St. Paul Twitter. because uh, yeah. I, I, the one thing I'm confident of is what's normal today uh, probably won't be uh, in a year. Mm-hmm. Maybe MySpace will make a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And Audacity didn't crash at all. Hey, now you're talking. (laughs)